Welcome to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 for February 6. Welcome to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9. Megan here. I am your host and arts director of CITR. And uh, I am here with a day full of Black History Month. We have a little Hutzpah coming up. We have a little Kitty Kitty Kitty. And uh, we will be having uh, some fun with Kevin Lee and Cameron McLeod. Uh, in theory, uh, they'll get here soon. And uh, before we start, I just wanted to introduce a new sponsor on CITR. So, uh, the Poster Loop is a service that we use um, at CITR starting this month, and they are also sponsoring the Arts Report. Uh, Poster Loop is a digital signage company, so they put together their uh, plan to, you know... uh, they put together a plan that they were going to uh, connect with artists and event hosts around the city in a community-friendly way that also saved uh, a little bit of waste. Because, as you all know, it is a fight to the finish for posters out there. And I know that the arts community is constantly entrepreneurial. They're putting on events. So uh, James got in touch with us, and they wanted to sponsor the Art Support because they know that uh, everyone out there is community and sustainability-minded and are putting on lots of events. Um, and uh, so you can uh, find out more about Poster Loop at Poster Loop. Dot com, But basically what it is is you have no wasted posters, fair and equal for everyone to use, and you get to upload the poster uh, as many times as you like per for the month. Um, it's just for events, it's hosted by the community, and it's actually made in cooperation. Uh, super low cost, and it's all instant upload, and then it goes straight to the digital signage around the city. Um, you can actually see a list online, but I'm just looking at that. You have uh, everything from Universal Tattoo and Larson Music and BC Smoke shop all the way through um and that's in victoria and then we also uh have ones in uh, vancouver uh, places like um commodore lanes and billiards underworld skate shop um the fall which is also a sponsor at citr archetype on main street near mahood um chop shop on commercial drive Anyway, it's a it's a really interesting and uh, new age kind of company, and so if you're interested in hearing more, check out posterloop.com. And thank you very much for James for hooking up with CITR and the Arts Report. All right. So Black uh, History Month is this month, and uh, that means that we're going to pay special attention to some of the um, Black Canadian and Afro-Canadian events and artists that are doing a lot of great work around Vancouver. And uh, I had the pleasure today of talking with um, Scruffmouth the Scribe and uh, John Akbara of the Black Dot Collective. Now, Black Dot Collective is hosting an event um, 
the Pan-African Slam on February 10th at Calabash Bistro at 428 Corral Street. And uh, we actually were at this event last year as well. And we'll be there again this year on Sunday recording. So you'll be able to hear some excerpts next week. But I thought they'd come in. They'd show us a little bit about what they have uh, going on. And we will get going to hear a, a performance from each of them. We're going to talk a little bit about uh we're going to talk a little bit about uh, black history month about dub poetry and the history there as well as uh we're going to have a black history month discussion and we actually talked for like half an hour so we're going to put that up on our mix cloud tomorrow so you're just going to be listening to a few excerpts and uh we always uh want to uh have a shout out to the artists that our artist likes and so we also got a couple of musical requests so here we go we're going to have a, a couple of performances by Scruffmouth the scribe and john akbara and then uh, we will hear a discussion about black history month dub poetry and the pan-african slam enjoy A note on black Canadian poetry from the anthology The Great Black North, Contemporary African-Canadian Poetry. We must understand that we are creating, for instance, an African-Canadian literature, one that is a branch of Canadian literature, but which also maintains definable Africanist oral linguistic strategies, as well as a special relationship to song, rhythm, and a specific history. George Eliot Clark. Odyssey's Home, Mapping African-Canadian Literature. The Great Black North is a land where identity is created as much as it is inherited. This anthology is an effort to recognize the poetic traditions of peoples of African descent in Canada, as well as establish a new tradition for the spoken word generation of wordsmiths, dub poets, lyricists, MCs, performance poets, and slammers who have been performing their oratory at the highest levels locally, regionally, provincially, nationally, and on international stages. An annual gathering place for the spoken word generation of performance poets is the Canadian Festival of Spoken Word. At my first CFSW in Halifax 2007, I witnessed firsthand the living history, controversy, and diversity of the Canadian family from coast to coast. But what I remember the most was the Afros-only photo taken on the last night of the festival, in a spontaneous show of blackness and solidarity in a space where word is bond is both a collective and a philosophy. By 2010, the festival was in Ottawa, the original launching point for the annual celebration of spoken word arts and the Canadian National Poetry Slam competition. As national politics in the spoken word family started to resemble the discriminatory constructs of the society that we often speak out against, I was compelled to facilitate a spoken word shop based on the idea of the oral treaty that binds poets with themselves and the responsibility that comes with the words we spit. The Seven Laws of Spit 1. Spit not in the wind. 2. Be not too proud to spit your truth out loud. 3. As a man thinketh, so too he spitteth. 4. Spit not, lest ye be spit upon. 5. The best spitter is a better listener. 6. 
Action spit harder than words. 7. A word spat is a bond intact. Use this book to keep you warm with its contrasting fabrics of print poetry in the paid section and performance poetry in the stage section. Within each genre is a multicultural display of knowledge and insight that should serve as ample insulation in the cold Canadian winters. There are the historical descriptive narratives of scholars, the insightful observations of neighborhoods and families, the rhythms and revelations of dub poets, the social commentary of spoken word, the identity, impact, and immediacy of slam poetry. Each poem contains stylistic elements that combine to form a more complete picture of what black Canadian poetry is. As the reader, you are integral to the function of this anthology, like audience members participating in live performance. Thank you. Black writers honor the link between being and language, between empowerment and articulation. They cannot cease to do so. The word is out. Andrew Omowale Apata. I'm reading from The Great Black North, Contemporary African-Canadian Poetry. My poem is titled Ursula. He wails again and again and again, day after day after day. The thief on the corner has stolen a lifestyle that was never meant for him. He stands proudly, defiantly, openly, arrogantly on his urban garden balcony, surrounded by high-rise and condo and glass and concrete, this contradiction, this anomaly, he wails, disrupting the pristine precision of the facade of high-end property. In the midst of diplomats and ambassadors and embassies, with audacity, he stands unabashedly. He plays fragrantly and growls dastardly, labeled as disruptive and obscene. That messenger that blasts sound to the sky above, he wails. He ascends and descends that pentatonic scale and inevitably the perfect intonation, that meticulous melody of the internal exacting metronome, fails. He rips the steadiness of sound. He blows solar flares into the clouds and shatters the sky. He wails. Like the revelations that John said, he wails. Like bagpipes at the gravesite of the setting of the sun, he wails. Breathing deep and roaring proud like a giant making his declaration, he wails. Shirtless like Kuti rallying for revolution, he wails. Like a mother wolf who by the full moon searches for lost cubs, he wails. Like Hendrix riding the feedback from the Marshall Greenback stacks, the delayed distortion of a crybaby phasing in a fuzz box, he wails. Like Marley crying tribal to the people, he wails. The vibrato can be felt across the street, down the block, across the pedestrian bridge, and echoes into the canal. He bounces sound up and down the bland facings of the towering neighbors. He splatters them with noise graffiti. He wails. His hands curl like claws and clack the keys. 
With the secrets of circular breathing, he takes no break. He has no pause. The brass bell expands and gets hot, he wails. Louder than the church bells at a wedding, he wails. Louder than the parliament building's midnight ringing, he wails. More shrill than the police sirens screaming in the evening, he wails. Against the subtle, muffled sobbing of lovers lost at night in the streets of Venice, that maze of endless cobblestones and canals, streets unlabeled and shrouded in shadows, the endless labyrinth of streets too narrow to even be alleyways, but there are boats on the Grand Canal. They are calling their way in the distance, beyond the churches and museums that echo that rolls like laughing thunder, he wails. It screams out against the silence of a sleepy city. It is the opposite of a lullaby. It rattles the ears and invades the brain and shakes the heart. A piercing frequency. When you hear it, you can see it. From the blinding bright spot of sparks of brakes dulling the rails of the train, the one that arrives only to take your lover away, he wails and suddenly stops. That moment when all hope is lost. When our loved ones have been put on ships and finally disappear at the vanishing point upon the horizon. The mast, the stem the sails. He puts her down and speaks her name. He wails. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, if you study music, uh, the original recording of a track back in the 50s and 60s was uh, put on a dub plate. So in terms of uh, rock and roll leaving America and going to the Caribbean, the producers would do covers. So a lot of the music that was coming out of the Caribbean was straight up covers of music that was coming from America. And the rock and roll movement of America of the, you know, 40s and 50s influenced um, kind of like a backbeat blues that came out of Jamaica, predominantly out of Jamaica. And the, the, the difference between those backbeat blues instead of being the 4-4 the four, four count was the emphasis was on the offbeat as opposed to the onbeat. And the music producers would would um, record the bass and the drums and then add the instrumentation and then add the lyrics last. And quite often what happened was those original dub plates, the music became so popular that certain bass lines and certain rhythms were used over and over and over and over again. So a dub poet would be a person who's performing poetry over bass and drum tracks that were already recorded. So you could go to like a Lee Scratch Perry kind of producer and, you know, get dub plates from him and people would recite their poetry over top of that. So at the same time that reggae music started to become extremely popular, radios and recording equipment and transistors uh, transformed from the old technology of the 40s and 50s to the new technology of the 50s and 60s, you had 
uh, poets being dragged into the recording studio by musicians and producers. And you had musicians getting up on stage to perform uh, with poets. So that's where you get, you know, like your Linton Quasey Johnson, for example, is was one of the great dub poets because he was speaking with, you know, the, the Caribbean accent, using the language of Patois, rhyming and speaking over top of highly recognizable music. And that's where people became dub poets, a poet that speaks over a dub track. But then that evolved into its own form of speaking, that evolved into its own form of poetry. And then later on in uh, the 80s, when we have the emergence of hip hop, you know, um, in terms of hip hop, music, graffiti, breakdancing, street entrepreneurialism, and all of the ideology that went behind hip hop culture did not become the economic commodity of the culture. Rapping became the commodity of the culture. The way that people speak became the defining factor of hip hop culture. So dub poetry is kind of the grandfather of hip hop where you got it's somewhere in between rock and reggae and blues and they're just talking in a very unique way. So in Canada we have like Clifton Joseph, Lillian Allen, who else is another significant dub poet? Oh, Debbie Young for sure. She's gone Clive international. Brooks. Clive Brooks. So we have, you know, these people are continuing traditions in the modern era. And, you know, people refer to me as a, a spoken word artist or a slam poet or a dub poet. And uh, I think they're just trying to wrap their, their head around the fact that I'm just a poet. And quite often they have to... You know, music is music. Either you like it or you don't. And then we have to break it up into, oh, it's electronic. It's it's uh, rock. It's uh, world. It's uh, acoustic. It's all these different categories. But poets are poets and dub poets have a particular tradition. Myself as a poet, I have some poets that are some poems that are dub poems. I have some poems that are strictly slam poems. I have some poems that are, you know, spoken word pieces, big, long, you know, seven, eight, nine minute long poems. And I don't... Uh, I don't, uh, I used to get mad when people would like miscategorize me or mislabel me, but as long as they recognize that I'm a poet, that's all I'm really concerned about. That was one of the challenges that we had putting together this volume of poetry, The Great Black North, was how to identify genres, and even if that's appropriate, because as John mentioned, it's all poetry. Initially, the glyph or the symbol that I used to kind of represent this project was a grayscale medicine wheel. Just to re represent the four genres that are in the book, you'll find print poetry, and then you'll find slam, spoken word, and dub in performance poetry. Once you call something dub poetry, you then have this connection to a history. Um, it can both connect you to people and also make people think it, it can other it a little bit because it's not just poetry. It's not all just poetry to them, perhaps. And I'm wondering if that can kind of be applied, that kind of idea of it both being celebratory and historical, but also a little bit limiting in the same way that something like Black History Month, um, just connecting it to the idea of celebrating black history in Canada, celebrating black poets and black poetry and black music, but at the same time, it's history, right? And you have even people like myself who are like, okay, well, this month we're going we're gonna to make sure. Like there's a bit of tokenism there. There's an Akan proverb 
Se wo refina wosan kofa a yenki. Literally meaning, it is not taboo to remember what you forgot. So, in dealing with the genres of poetry, the so-called genres, um, I had an interesting conversation with Kwame Dawes, who's an editor, poet, and he organizes a thing called the Calabash Literary Festival. And when he took a look at the book and got back to us as editors, uh, the first one of the first things he noticed and brought to our attention was, um, why is this book divided into genres? He basically said, I thought we were past that, right? So it was an interesting comment, and again, it was always in the back of my mind. As I had mentioned, I always use that, um, the circle that is in four directions to kind of represent how my approach to this anthology, because even though I knew we were dividing it, uh, I knew it was all still unified. This really brought that um, more to the to the forefront. So I realized that as much as we attach ourselves to labels, because sometimes when we study and we read some of these poets, and we, we know about dub poetry, and we know about print poetry in Canada, we know about George Eliot Clarks and the Afua Coopers, uh, of course we're naturally going to resonate with that and maybe want to even identify with that form in terms of a label that we would give ourselves. However, I think that the task for our generation is actually to synthesize all of those influences and inspirations and then come out with our unique forms. And I think that's something that we're involved in with this spoken word scene that's going on right now. We're in the process of kind of inventing our own genres out of everything that we have studied and known from what has come before. So. I think that there is definitely a uh, benefit to knowing the past, knowing what came before, and knowing how these things have been delineated and identified you know, by others as well as yourself, but that the task is ultimately it's you know, akin to knowledge of self. You have to take all of that and then decipher it for yourself in your own artistic expression, which in order to be you know, valid really has to be original and has to have involve some form of ingenuity. I think the only way that you can do that with any depth, the only way that you can really do that without, you know, so-called reinventing the wheel is by knowing what came before and then using your own experience to make that unique. Sixth annual Pan-African Slam will be going down this Sunday, February 10th at Calabash Caribbean Bistro and Lounge at 8 p.m. Our feature is Patricia Smith from Chicago. She is the most successful slam poet in National Poetry Slam history. She is a poet and also appeared in the film Slam Nation. You can check her out at wordwoman.ws. She's, uh, she's also written a few children's books and hopefully she'll have some merch. It was actually a pleasure to even be able to program her for this weekend. She just happened to be in Seattle as well, so we're going to bring her up here. We're very excited about that. For anyone who is interested in poetry, literary excellence, and wants to just know what's happening uh, maybe south of the 49th parallel, you should check this Pan-African Slam out just for her alone. In addition to that, we have Marion Landers and Robert Halley, who are going to be performing Afro-Contemporary Dance, a piece called I Live Still. We have... 
uh, perennial favorite, Adeline the Soul Poet, a descendant of the Black Pioneers of British Columbia. She's a storyteller who knows her roots. You can check her out at adelinedesoulpoet.com. We have John Akpada in the studio right here, Scruffmouth the Scribe. And the event will be hosted by Sonia Littlejohn and Dana I.D. Matthews from Bedrock Collective and DJed by DJ Organic, the director of Freestyle, the Art of Rhyme. So we have a lot of different elements. It's not just a spoken word showcase. We also feature music and dance. And it's $10 uh, suggested donation, but 5 bucks for st any students who are interested in coming. You can find out more at black.collective.org or send us an email at black.collective at gmail.com. Guys, thank you so much for coming by. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Big ups to CITR. Yes, thank you very much. Love and respect to the West Coast and CITR. And I have to give a shout out to CHUO 89.1 FM in Ottawa. And that was uh, our coverage of the Black Dot Roots and Culture Collective's Pan-African Slam on February 10th. We will be there. We will be recording uh, the event, so you'll be able to tune in next week. Uh, and it is uh, February 10th at the Calabash Bistro on 428 Corral Street. It's 10 buck donation. If you were a student or a senior, it's only $5. Um, so thank you so much uh, to those guys for coming in. We have the longer version and a uh, really great reading of I Am Claim, which is a, a Scruff Mouth original. But we are running out of time for now, so we will post it all online. Check out all the information at black.collective.com. Uh, sorry, black.collective.org. And we're now listening to Bob Marley Trenchtown, one of the gentlemen's requests. Trenchtown Rock. question, what kind of cities do we want to live in? How do we want our cities to be? Cannot be divorced from the question of what kind of people we want to be. Join me, your host, Andrew Longhurst, every Tuesday at 5 p.m. for The City, an hour dedicated to critical discussions of urban issues. Live on CITR 101.9 FM and CITR.ca. For more info, visit thecityfm.org. The Study and Go Abroad Fair is proud to support CITR's fundraise from February 26th to March 8th. The fair is a great opportunity for anyone considering studying, volunteering, working, or traveling abroad. Exhibitors will include universities from around the world and student travel organizations. 
The Study and Go Abroad Fair happens Tuesday, March 5th from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. in the East Ballroom of the Vancouver Convention Centre. All visitors will also be entered in a grand draw with prizes including a trip on Air Canada, a volunteer trip in Nicaragua or Nepal, and an iPad. CITR will also be doing a live broadcast from the fair with interviews, demos, and more. For more information, go to studyandgoabroad.com. This is Scruff Mouth the Scribe, plugged in on number three, all the way live and direct on CITR 101.9. UBC represent, connect the dots. And we're back on CITR 101.9, The Arts Report. Now, what would you do if you were, for example, a cat, perhaps a kitty, and you were cloned? And Kitty Kitty, your clone, is pretty attractive, and you fall in love. You have sexual escapades and everything is amazing. Well, if you want to know about that, you should stick around, because we're going to talk about it right now. We have... uh, Kevin Lee and Cam- Cameron McLeod here, and we're going to talk to them a little bit more about Hero Show. Um, but I was telling them about this show, and it is full of adult content. So if you have children in the room and you don't want to talk about, uh, I guess I would say like that second base, second third base, then we'll shortstop. Give, yeah, shortstop. Uh, take them, take them out of the room because there's going to be some adult content in the next half an hour. Um, and the other thing that uh, I wanted to mention is that that I totally forgot about are two giveaways. So, guys, we're just going to pause for a second and do some giveaways, if that's cool. Sure. Okay. So, we have two giveaways. We have the Hutzpah Festival, which is on February 7th to March 3rd. So, it's starting tomorrow. Um, and on Thursday, there's the 605 Collective. So, if you guys are not into comedy and you're not going to the Hero Show like I am... Then you can go to 605 Collective, which is dance with Leslie Telford and Itzik Galili um, at the Corzo Theater. Or, sorry, produced by the Corzo Theater and the Cadence Festival. So if you'd like tickets to this, you can check it out at hutzpahfestival.com slash performances uh, t- and tickets. Uh, we also have uh, a bunch of DVDs from Paul Anthony's Talent Time. Their fifth anniversary is tonight. We talked to the uh, Paul Anthony was in live last week, and we have a couple of DVDs. So we're going to go uh, to an interview in a few minutes, and you can give us a call at 604-822-2487, and you can win some tickets. Uh, so what do you guys think? Would you Would you guys get it on with your clown? My clone? Would you get it on with your clone? <laughs> I think this is a question for the ages. Sure. I mean, uh, it's something that we're going to have to answer at some point in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's technology. coming. Yeah. It's, so to speak. Is it our clone now, or is it our clone like after we've had a fresh shower and cleaned ourselves up a bit? I don't think that's how DNA works. Well, I mean, if you clone yourself when you're like clean shaven, upstairs and down, does your clone come out the same way? <laughs> <laughs> Let's say yes. Why not? It's science. It can do anything. Um, so we're talking about this. We're talking. We're listening to Little Bone Thugs. What What does this even mean? Uh, Kitty Kitty Kitty, a play by Noah Hadel, is playing uh, until February 10th at Studio 16. And I saw this opening night. It is a play which chronicles the adventures of Kitty, Kitty Kitty, and Kitty Kitty Kitty. Uh, Kitty is a depressed house cat 
who uh, is trying to escape his mad scientist owner. But before he can, the scientist clones him, and Kitty falls in love with his clone, Kitty Kitty. Kitty Kitty is then abducted by human family, and Kitty uh, goes on a search for him. When he can't find him, well, all terror ensues, including a dance number to Bone Thugs in Harmony by four cloned cats that ends in an orgy. That's right, there are a lot of hand jobs in this play and still manages to be very, very poignant at the end. So kudos uh, to Ninja Pirate Theater Society who's presenting it. And I actually got a chance to talk to these guys uh, after their show on Tuesday. So they've been running it for a little bit. And uh, we have, uh, in order of appearance, Victor, uh, the kitty, Bryce, who plays Kitty Kitty, and uh, my friend Martin Hallett, who plays Cat, who is a uh, part of the neighborhood's stray cat, or sorry, not stray cat, but outdoor cat population, and he's not that bright. Uh, And then we also have uh, Anthony Shim, who is the director, and they're going to tell us a little bit about the play. Uh, Ninja Pirate Theater Society was founded in 2010. Uh, so it's coming up on its third. It's uh, coming up on its third year anniversary. And Brendan, Victor, Bryce, uh, two Jameses, uh, were the original founders. And Martin has been in most of their productions. Uh, their productions include Beyond Therapy, This Is Our Youth, Three Days of Rain, and Suburbia. So here is uh, the lads talking about Kitty, Kitty, Kitty. Their various uh, their various characters and how they have been received both how they expected to be received and what has actually happened about this cat uh, <laughs> kitties clones and manual release my name is victor and i play kitty kitty is a very lonely suicidal house cat who meets the love of his life happens to be his clone teaches him how to give hand jobs, and uh, his owner thinks it's wrong, so he gives his love away. Uh, I'm Bryce, and I play Kitty Kitty, uh, the clone of Kitty, born in the, in the scientist's lab and then falls in love with his original and then gets taken away because the scientist no longer wants them to be falling in love. My name is Martin, and I play Cat, a hairless cat who's very dumb and can't remember his own name and gives hand jobs for free. He's not like the other cats, I don't think. He's, um, you know, he comes out, it's the street, he doesn't know, they haven't been around, they've been, I think they've been house cats their whole lives, and I've been kind of around a little bit, but I'm so dumb that it kind of cancels. James gave me another play by Noah Hadel, who wrote this, and called Mr. Marmalade, which I loved, but wasn't appropriate for company. Then I started reading his other plays, Camera Cross, Kitty, 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 read the synopsis, which was like suicidal house cat, falls, falls in love with his clone, they give each other hand jobs, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was sold on hand jobs. That was all we had heard about. Yeah, prior. and we pretty much like, decided we were going to do that. Even before yeah. we had, like, really read the script, like, it I remember you and I were on Bowen. You were like, yeah, so I found this play, and it's these cats giving each other hand jobs. And I was like, well, yes. Like, that sounds great. Yeah. Um, Luckily, it was a really good script. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Martin was telling me that the script was originally written kind of almost as a student exercise. It was a workshop at Juilliard. Juilliard um, hires – Juilliard's writing team usually works with bigger playwrights and then develops other – develops their own work. And then all the actors from Juilliard will come in and they'll develop a play. And so it wasn't, when they did it, it wasn't 
a fully developed play. It was it was more just a whole working thing. And and when you see in um, the liner notes in, in in the play, like everybody's being double cast and like certain people like it did. There wasn't there was only the original, two actors playing well, the, like the, the original cast. Stuff. There were only six actors. Yeah, and there's ten characters. So I don't know how they managed to do it. I actually just used ten actors. I actually even added a character because it was just too much. Crazy. Yeah. So I, yeah. <laughs> in the stage notes, I believe it says something along the lines of they are only supposed to wear one costume piece. So one, an actor will run off, take off the one costume piece, put on a collar and now they're a cat. Oh. So Were there any like major difficulties? Uh, you know, you don't have to double up roles or anything. I'm sure everyone here is very familiar with hand job. What uh, <laughs> were there some? Uh, what were some of the challenges in uh, playing uh, cats as you were? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of physical stuff. It's the physical stuff that was from from when we first started doing this. It was um, like when Victor and I got together and we knew we were doing this play. It was just like sending each other YouTube clips of kittens, of of cats jumping, of cats fighting, of cats eating, and just the whole initial process was just working on that. And um, the, really the, the, the difficulty of it was um, getting more strength in our, in our upper half of our body to be able to like move around. Yeah, and I mean also through the process we were exploring how much of a cat we were going to be um, because there's a lot of uh, human things that have to happen in the, in the play, like cats have to use their hands and all this kind of stuff. Um, so, uh, I mean, that was a really fun part of the exploration, but it definitely uh, taxed our creative uh, process totally. quite a bit, trying to figure out, like, okay, we have to be 100% cat here, we've got to be, like, 50% cat here. And, Anthony, as you're directing it, um, I mean, you tell someone, I've been telling people, you know, I saw this science fiction play about cats who fall in love with their clones and give each other hand jobs. Uh, a very, you know, a bit of a reductive description, but I think accurate. How did you how did you know how far to take? Because there's quite an emotional arc for these characters, and there's actually quite the range. There's a lot yeah. of pathos in this play. It's an epic play. <laughs> uh, the one there's so much that happens, and there's so many big things that happen. You know, mainly to the protagonist, Kitty, to play that truthfully, to ha to allow the audience to engage and not get freaked out or have it be overwhelming. Kind of decided early on that we would have to create an alternate world if we based, it, based this play in, in reality as, as we are all familiar with, then the audience could not handle it. The audience could not accept all the things that happen or the emotional journey that Kitty goes on. So yeah, one was to create a world that the audience could be removed from and then have the human characters be unrelatable and have them be almost cartoon-like. So that's the costuming and the, the, the stilted language. Yeah, the language, the physicality, all of that, while then making the cats more human and more relatable on an emotional level to have that separation in this alternate world. So that we had, there was, there was enough distract, just enough distraction, just enough uh, silliness that the audience would allow themselves to get invested in the story and then hopefully at the end of it I'll go on that emotional journey and take something out of it. 
I came in on opening night, so uh, Martin was saying that you guys had been working on technical like pretty much the whole day, right down to the wire. Can you give me a little bit of how people have reacted and maybe some of the things that you guys have changed now that you've actually been in it for a week? Uh, well, it's surprising to me how well people have reacted to the script and understood also the real emotional journeys of the characters because we've worked a lot of different gags and we've uh, you know, uh, exaggerated a lot of things uh, for the sake of comedy. But the things that I hear again and again and again from the audiences is just how, you know, how emotional and, and, and how connected they were to that part of it. That's like my favorite thing. And that they laugh a lot about the stuff that's already in the script to begin with. Um, so as far as changing things, it's been really minor, almost nothing. Yeah, nothing. Since we started, there hasn't, there hasn't, there hasn't had to be anything. Usually whenever you're doing a play and then you run for a couple, a couple shows, it, especially with, with our company, Anthony is here for every show. Most theater companies don't do that, but he's here to, to watch every show. And if something isn't working, then we can come back the next day and be like, this is not going to work. We have to be able to work on this. And really the only things that we've had to really change are like the blood capsules at the end. Yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. it. Like, that's blood. it. That, like blood. blood capsules are, are dissolving in people's um, sleeves. So we have to hide them elsewhere or whatever, you know? Like, <laughs> It's a sweaty, bloody show. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing also, too, about this show is that it we made such bold, specific choices that, I mean, I, part of the reason why I think I was so terrified and freaking out was that I knew we couldn't really make changes once we opened. It was, this is a show we got. This is a show we worked on for many months to get. So if people, and people may not get it, people may not like it, but you kind of have to take it because that's you cannot do anything about that. So cross your fingers and you know see what happens. But luckily, like Victor said, people did get it. I was afraid. I mean, I used to, I used to say when I was like, "Oh my god, it's just a series of gags. Like no one's gonna like it." But we're lucky, I guess. Whenever whenever I walk outside after the show, the one of the first things people always comment on is the way that the humans talk opposed to the way that the the cats talk. And when we first started working with that i i was terrified that people weren't going to pick up on that and just be like i yeah. can't understand the humans why are they talking like that but people get it you uh, yeah like i rarely have had people come up to me after the show and talk about it being funny or the silliness of it every mm -hmm. most people come up to me and talk to me about the, the how sad it was or um how they connected to on the uh, loneliness level of it mm. That's probably what defied people's expectations. Yeah. Like, you kind of, reading the description, you expect it to be a bit of a surreal kind of lark. And, uh, yeah, it was actually, I got a little bit clumps at the end. <laughs> people don't know this, but what's his name? 16 years old. So that was uh, Martin, Victor, Bryce, and Andrew talking about Kitty, 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 which is playing uh, until the 10th. Studio 16, directed by Anthony Shim, and it's a play by Noah Hadel. And you can look it up online. It's on Google Books. Um, so you can see. It, it Really, there's no way to ruin this play because it's so surreal. Uh, what we're listening to is another tune off the soundtrack, uh, which is uh, Gorillas off of Plastic Beach, Pirate's Progress. And there's a very poignant floating around the New Jersey uh, water scene that plays. 
So uh, check that out, and still you can give us a, a call or a tweet, uh, 604-822-2487, if you would like to win a DVD for Paul Anthony's Talent Time, uh, their first season, which uh, is going to be five years old this very evening at the Biltmore. I'm going. I'm going to stick around for TLC, which we sponsor. Mini Rave, guys. Woo, Mini Rave! Oh, that got me nothing. They're both tweeting. <laughs> um, that's cool. Whatever. I made them wait for 45 minutes before we could introduce uh, Kevin Lee and Cameron McLeod are here to plug it up. Hi, guys. Hello. And uh, and we're going to be going until about 5 after 6 when it's going to be UBC Arts on Air. So let's just slay this next 15 yeah. minutes, you guys. Plug it up. Woo. Sounds like we're here to just like stuff up some something. Reverse yep. plumbers. Yeah, I stand- reverse plumbers. Right Unplumbers. <laughs> I stand by my statement. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so how is it? We have we have Kevin Lee of uh, predominantly the Sunday service. Yes. And I and we have uh, Cameron McLeod of uh, Man Hussy. And uh, is that your most current like group oh, no, or no, what no, other no. stuff? You've been around. You, like you guys haven't been doing stuff for a while, or what's no, the status? Yeah, uh, Steve moved to New York, and Dan's doing cinema stuff, and so I'm still doing comedy. So it's f it's, those guys. Yeah, no, no, no. We're all good, bros. <laughs> Never uh, mind then. No, no. Cam, right before this, during that last clip, he was like, "Man, those bros, uh, f them, f yeah. them." <laughs> yeah, it's before nine <laughs> o'clock, so we've already talked about hand jobs. So yeah. I think we're just we'll not keep it any bluer than that. Well, f stands for friend. Of course, yeah. Friend those friend guys. Those bros. For friend sure. Those bros. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Friend them so just friend them so hard. Yeah. Um and uh, so how's it Cam, you film the mental beast exploits uh, at yeah. CITR. What's it uh, with with Kevin? With Kevin. Yeah, I was involved, yeah. What's it like to be back? Has anything changed? Is it still as gross as it used to be or oh, so have many we... so many memories just flooding in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. it's just pouring in. Uh, there weren't this many um, like stray cats in here when, when we were here last. Yeah, yeah. fair yeah. enough. A lot less uh, like dirty sheets in the corner. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who left those, but I'm assuming they have a very important purpose. I like to see that yeah. the, uh, the clown outfit with the stains on it is still hanging from the rafters. Oh yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you signed it, so it's weird that yeah we wouldn't know. That's worth at least ten to twelve dollars on eBay. So we're gonna keep that stuff around. Fun drive's sense. coming up, so maybe we'll auction it off. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> um uh so cam you were recently uh featured as our centerfold for our february 30th year edition mm-hmm. wow. um tell me about uh the slingshot in this picture um well first of all i'm looking at this for the first time in color like in real life nice shorts by the way yeah i've noticed that my uh my legs are a little beaten up and i look like a stripper at the number five orange yeah, which, which is, uh, I mean, there's some scabs. There's some there's some scarring and some scabs. I'm embarrassed, so I'd like to apologize. Shout out to that. the number five. Shout out to loyal, the number five. Loyal listeners, I'm what? sure. Why, why are your legs all beat up? What were you doing? Something cool. Yeah? BMXing? Yeah, I was BMXing and then skateboarding. Oh, sweet. And then... Rollerblading? No, and then beating up a rollerblader. <laughs> oh, and then beating up a rollerblader? Yeah. Oh, God. Nice. <laughs> um, no, the slingshot is uh, a wooden slingshot that you just buy anywhere. I think my girlfriend got it for me. But then I put on uh, that shoelace around the grip, so it looks really cool. And these are all uh, items from your personal collection <laughs> well, of yeah. choice. Well, J- Jazz, Jazz uh, called me and was like, hey, yeah, we're going to Our do art this. director. Yeah, art director. Uh, Jazz called me and uh, was like, "Oh yeah, we gotta we're gonna do this shoot. Like, do you have any props you can bring?" And I was like, "Yeah, don't worry about it." <laughs> and so I have my uh, my my blade here. That's uh, 
under my bed in case a burglar comes in. Mm-hmm. To, of uh, course. Chop their head off. In case somebody's going to come and, and take in you. Yeah, exactly. Get under the bed. Exactly. Grab the blade. Yeah, take them out. Um, and then, uh, yeah, bottle rockets that I uh, recently traded a uh, single Roman candle for, which I thought was a very good deal. How many bottle rockets did you get? Uh, well, let's count them. <laughs> that was all of them. Twelve. Nice, nice. And it was only an eight-ball Roman candle, so I'm winning. Nice. And then uh, this... Uh, this old vintage uh, walkie-talkie, which I have two of, and that uh, that antenna there that's out, that's um, bent, is actually only halfway out, because the actual Jeez. antenna is like 12 feet long. That's what guys always say. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I promise. See how, <laughs> see how it's out and it's bent? It's not like that. It's, it's not normally like this, baby. And it's straight. Yes. <laughs> So this is good radio so far, describing pictures. Um, but uh, you, the reason you guys are here uh, is that it is time for another quarterly edition of The Hero Show. Yay. And starring hey. Mr. Kevin Lee. Yeah. Who don't give an F. What? I don't give a friend? Yeah. <laughs> I give lots of friends. There's so many friends on this show. What a segue. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, uh, it's, it happens to fall uh, exactly on my, my birthday, which oh, is tomorrow. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, and Cam was uh, nice enough to uh, kind of uh, dedicate the show in my honor, which is lovely. And so it's just packed with a lot of really great, uh, really great comics and uh, doing solo acts. So the conceit of the show is uh, there's no stand-up, but there's also no sketch or improv. Well, there's improv, but no sketch. <laughs> there's like, no stand-up well, there's sketch, sketch or improv. Okay, wait a minute. What is going to happen <laughs> so at all? It's a cooking show uh, <laughs> where we make heroes. Uh, so it sounds delicious. Hero sandwiches um, and gyros, because you call that a hero too, right? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Anyway, um, no, it's it. There are, there is sketch and improv, but it's all solitary. So you're just doing a. Uh, there's all just people doing character bits, uh, maybe um, slideshows, uh, songs, uh, all kinds of stuff like that. You don't really get to see anywhere else uh, in Vancouver. This is a really unique show here, patterned off of a, a show in Toronto called the Loner Show. I Loner think? Show. Yeah. Now, did you have permission to pattern? Like, is pattern slang for steel, or is this? Uh, no, I feel. Is this I, all I'm legit? Actually, is I, it too legit to quit? Uh, it's too legit to quit. Nice. I, I've been, I've done the show, the Loner Show, uh, out in Toronto. So, so I think I. it's actually defunct now. I don't really, I don't know if it's happening anymore. But um, ours is uh, ours is a little different. It's uh, really like we only do three to five minute sets, so everything's really short and quick. Mm-hmm. And we get you get a lot of different acts doing a lot of different weird things, and uh, you know people have the ability to come up and do something they've never done anywhere else or would be able or comfortable to do anywhere else. Um, and uh, it's a bit of a party. Nice. I like to host a party at the China Cloud. China Cloud. I've been to a couple of uh, comedy shows there, and. Uh, it, if it weren't for the fire code, they would burn down the house. Am I right, guys? Oh, yeah. So hot. Hey-o. It's hot there. Um, it's and kindling a lot of dry. It's actually wet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's going to be better tomorrow, I promise. <laughs> I was like, oh, that was a terrible joke. But then you saved me there oh. with that right away. Yeah, yeah I know. By drowning myself. Before <laughs> holding my own head underwater. Well, you're, that's why you're a hero, man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. For us all. So on. what are, I mean, don't give too much away. Mm. Just give us like one minute of the three minutes. Okay. But I saw, uh, are you going to be doing some character work? Because I saw you at uh, Laugh Gallery. Right, yeah. And uh, that, that it was like an improv monologue, yeah. uh, which got weird very quickly, I re- oh, yeah. which I really appreciate. Thank I you. love my stuff weird. Great. So is that, is that what we're looking at, or have you decided yet? Because it's yeah. tomorrow night. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I, I do. I like so far. Like uh, when the hero show was was monthly. Uh, once upon a time, I would just uh, I used to do written kind of bits, and uh, it just became kind of difficult to do that uh, in time for each show. So I started doing improv monologues. 
uh, and really enjoy doing that. So I did that every month, and uh, and uh, so uh, yeah, I'm going to be doing that tomorrow, and I'm really excited about it. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll bring out one of my one of my sweet stable of characters, uh, like the uh, like the uh, cloned cat. I didn't know that they had this <laughs> show. I seriously just came can out you give us your today. clone cat? <laughs> sure. Uh, right now. Oh, yeah, my genitals. <laughs> so under. <laughs> Under, under, no one's paying attention to them. I don't know. No, it's gonna be. I, I'm so it's gonna be like that. But it's gonna be here. so much better. I don't know how much how bad things can be on the radio, so I'm trying to keep it clean, which means I didn't do anything. <laughs> it sounds like a really dirty. Show. My question is about this whole cat thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is that you cloned yourself? You've, you've cloned yourself as uh-huh. a cat. And all that's happening is hand jobs. Like, wouldn't it be easy? Like, you know yourself. Wouldn't it be easy? They to definitely allude to humping and uh, oral. They definitely allude to it. But mm-hmm. I think that is the funniest thing you're allowed to do. I mean, it is a bunch of guys in cost cat costumes, mm-hmm. so we're not looking. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I don't good. know. Maybe you'd yeah. have to talk to Noah Hadel about that. Maybe they wanted it to be put on anywhere at any time. Listen, Noah, I love what you're doing here, but we need to get this thing triple X. Yeah, you know, this we need to make some real money with this cat clone Webcams, thing. I got a whole thing for you. Your Sunday morning matinees are not being attended. So let's swing it the other way. Here. There were these two, uh, everyone laughed really, especially the woman right next to me, just screaming with laughter but these two young women in the front very like well put together not drunk at all which is like not usually how i go places um and i could see you you just uh, lit up there look at them be like those guys are drunk oh (laughs) what's wrong with them go get my drink (laughs) that is un that is uncanny ask anyone that's pretty good all right yeah so uh, and they they were giggling and stuff but they were like they were very straight-laced young ladies yeah. And uh, they looked extremely oh. uncomfortable the whole time. Young ladies? I thought you were describing, like, 65-year-old women. That would have been... See, that in itself would have been amazing. <laughs> I, I would have had much more to say about that. But, no, the, yeah, they looked they looked very uncomfortable. So it's not always the young people. I feel like sometimes we underestimate the eld because they, they've seen it all. Yeah. Like, what haven't yeah. they heard or seen? They may not like, necessarily want it all, all up in their face, but... Yeah. I mean, but they're, they're they've been ready, around the block. They're ready to see it all again, you know? They've seen it again, they're like... Phew. Yeah, I recognize this. Clone cats. All, this cat, all these cats doing this stuff? I saw it before. <laughs> I was in World War Two. <laughs> That's right. You would believe what cats were doing during World War Two. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Wild. Oh, there was a run on catnip. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. What would have been rationed during World War Two for cats? Oh, catnip would be... Catnip. Yeah. Because yeah. that that then like... you, 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 the humans would be smoking that because you wouldn't be able to get any ganja. That's what they were sending yeah. across to the uh, soldiers. Of catnip. course. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. That and then in and then in uh, Vietnam, it obviously became LSD, but it started out as catnip in World War Two. Yeah, little known fact. That's yeah. true. That's a that's some edutainment for you guys right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some of the fun stuff that's coming up for you guys. Um, it's a lot. You guys are pretty busy. I'm not gonna lie. It's uh, pretty gross. Uh, but there's a storm on the horizon. There is. There is. <laughs> right. Is that good? Good foley, oh, guys. Yeah, that's that's excellent foley. foley. <laughs> I just brought out my uh, my saw. Lightning, 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 lightning. It's my bow and my saw. That's good. Thanks. Yeah, I'm gonna go on tour with Cigarose in a month. <laughs> These guys are very weird. They only eat hot dogs. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like you believe that you, I was you guys should do a web series as to how many times you can get him to like believe you just a little bit at first 
That's what that's what tak means. Tak with uh, three periods after it actually just means like a fully loaded chili cheese dog. <laughs> Very gullible. <laughs> uh, Kevin Lee. Yeah. You are of the Sunday service. Correct. This Sunday. Yes. Uh, while I am at uh, the Pan African Slam, you mm. will be uh, at the. Same place you always are, Cosmic Zoo, but this time it's Comedy Fest edition. That's right. So we're, we're this, uh, our regular show is every Sunday night at 9 o'clock at the Cosmic Zoo, 53 West Broadway. That's a Cosmic with a K, an M, an I, a Z. Am I spelling it in the radar? No. Nope. nope. And then a backwards K. It's very confusing because uh, it it's not spelled correctly in the first place. It used to be the Hennessy. It used to be called the Hennessy, now it's called the Cosmic Zoo. Otherwise, um, it's exactly the same. It's pretty much the same, but there's more murals. Uh, and uh, we're, we're there. There's a real piano there. Um, so we do that every Sunday night at 9 o'clock. Um, but this Sunday, uh, we're, it's part of the uh, Vancouver Comedy Festival, which is happening this week. And we have special guests that are performing with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of whom is uh, Bobby Tisdale, who's a stand-up comedian from New York who writes on uh, The Jimmy Fallon Show. And then uh, also one of my personal uh, favorites, uh, Mr. Paul F. Tompkins, is going to be playing with us. He's going to actually do improv- improvised That sounds balls. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Uh, yeah, it's going to be very exciting. And, uh, yeah. And then on Monday, you guys are uh, doing something. It's a, it's a cluster fun. We're going to have a huge cluster fun at the Havana. Yeah, a real cluster F for fun. Um, and that's going to be at the Havana at, I believe, 8 o'clock. Um, yeah, 8 o'clock. Uh, and it's us. And it's a variety show run by a very funny stand-up comedian, Adam Pateman. Um, uh, so there's going to be other uh, comedic acts, either sketch or improv or stand-up. Uh, we're going to be doing improv there. Uh, so definitely come check that out. And I misspoke, actually. Uh, Pan-African Slam is on Saturday, and right. then I will be, uh, I'm going to head to Beekeeper, so I'm going to try to fit in some Paul F. Tompkins first before Beekeeper. Friend of the show, Devin Loheed. So that's going to be fun. Good idea. Um, Cam. Yes. Quickly, let me just say. No. Nope. Uh, Sunday. Oh, okay. <laughs> faster, faster. Continue. Back to the corner. Okay, you can you. do it. Back so. into the clan. Go nothing. for it. <laughs> um, I can just turn your mic off if I really didn't I want you to talk. Please don't. I love my voice. Um, <laughs> on Sunday, if uh, you go down to the uh, Sunday service, which everyone should, and mm-hmm. it becomes sold out, which it definitely will become, uh, you can head to the Havana uh, Theater on um, commercial mm-hmm. for uh, Instant Theater's Light Views and Run. And every Sunday, uh, Instant Theater puts on uh, different shows at 8 o'clock at Havana. So if Sunday service sells out, you can't find a seat. Come on down. That's actually uh, good Havana. advice because that has happened to me yeah, a number of can, times. You can still get some improv uh, in you. Um, yeah, still geared up for comedy and stuff. Yeah. Like, get down there. Yeah, you. Yeah, show. you have your comedy ready, and then you've got you've got the comedy uh, blue funds. Um, I'm gonna make when when we're done uh, in a few minutes here. I'm gonna make you guys like fight. I'll film it, and then whoever mm-hmm. wins can have like arts report loyalty for Sunday nights. How does oh, that sound? Sounds great. Awesome. Sure, sure. And the and the battle is definitely oh, yeah. going to be oh, yeah. uh, okay. length of hair base. All right. Great. Well, I'm going to win because you're going based on shortness is winning, right? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, and then uh, two other things we want to throw out there because uh, there's some of my ladies. You're doing a Say What on the... Say What? Say What? On the 20th. And what will you be reading? I'm going to be reading uh, from uh, Solar Costa, which is R. Kelly's autobiography, which is incredible. It sounds incredible. There's unbelievable stories coming out of that thing. It's it's very entertaining. And then on the 16th, uh, with I believe with uh, Tara, who's going to be at the Hero Show tomorrow, tie-in, uh, 
Sad Meg is having a uh, comedy show, which we have done before. And the last issue had a whole comedy spread. Mm -hmm. And so uh, featuring members of the Sunday service. Correct. And so uh, that is going to be... uh, on the 16th at the Toast Collective. Yes, indeed. And you are you hosting that, or are you just performing? Uh, no, I'm doing a set, uh, doing a solo set there. You're not hosting something? I'm not hosting. That's, not. that's so weird. I love not hosting. It's so much fun to just show up and do something for five, ten minutes. But he is a fantastic host. I know how to host. Yeah, like, <laughs> let's not get it twisted. He's not not hosting because he's falling apart at the seams here. This yeah. guy's a master host. Yeah, if you weren't here, I would uh, jump on there and probably just... Fuck, I'm sorry. Oh. See, I already did. I already messed up. I would have been kicked off the whole no. seven-second delay. <laughs> that is, no, that is not the first time that's happened. Well, we were, we're pushing it pretty close, and I did give a warning So at the beginning, and yeah. I said the next half hour are going to be. So 